Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dave McEwen about resetting the vision for our organization and aligning our people around it. Dave McEwen, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, John, how are you? I am great. It's great to be with you again. I'm excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be focusing on resetting the vision for our organization and aligning our people around that shared vision. Uh, that sounds you know, important, I imagine. Most people are thinking, yeah, we need people to have a shared vision, um, but it's easier said than done. Uh, Having, having a, a good vision is always a challenge. Uh, having you know, shared vision, uh, mission vision, uh, values, purpose within the organization can be difficult. And, and a lot of that comes back to cultural elements. And I, I like to tell people, you know, culture exists and it will emerge regardless of your intentions. Mm. So if you don't do anything proactively to try to make sure you have the type of culture you want, uh, one will emerge and it'll probably end up being one that's not particularly healthy. Uh, and, and I think of vision uh, really the same way. Uh, it's, a, it's a component of culture. And if we don't have a really good, understandable, succinct, shared vision that people can buy into and connect with, uh, then people are going to kind of be running in their own directions mm. and there will be some sort of a vision in place. It just probably won't be what actually you want from a strategic perspective. So we need to do the work uh, to create the vision we want. And oftentimes that means we need to reset the existing vision that perhaps emerged organically that isn't uh, as mm. healthy or as productive or positive, you know, that we, uh, that, that we're really looking for. Mm. As, as we get started, I wanted to share Dave's bio with everybody. Dave McEwen helps individuals, teams, and organizations achieve excellence by doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well. He is the CEO of Outfield Leadership and author of The Self-Evolved Leader, Elevate Your Focus and Develop Your People in a World That Refuses to Slow Down. Now, I could go on and on. Um, that's just a brief bio. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we dive on in? Well, the thing that they'll pick up is I'm, I'm not originally from Laguna Beach, where I currently live, <laughs> from, from Ireland originally, and I've just kept moving further west until the sun shone on an appropriate number of days. So if people don't understand what I'm saying, it's, it's likely because of my, uh, my somewhat still there Northern Irish accent. Oh, I love it. And I've never been to Ireland. I really want to go. Uh, well, I've flown through Ireland, I think, but, <laughs> but that's, that's about it. That's the, that's the closest I've been. Uh, well, wonderful. As we get started, uh, perhaps um, you can share a little bit more of a background uh, around your book and your, your company, Outfield Leadership, just to set the stage a little bit. And then we can dive on in and talk more specifically about 
how we can go about resetting vision. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, I mean, I've spent the majority of my adult career, really fortunately, um, helping senior leadership teams to set and achieve their strategic growth goals. Uh, and that had come in a couple of different guises for a few different companies. Uh, I've spent the last four years uh, just out on my own. Uh, and I do a lot of work with those leadership teams really to help them understand what is the vision, what's the world that we want to create. And then ultimately, how do we stitch the gap between that and the actions that everybody takes every day? Because at the end of the day, if more of those actions that you and your team take lead you towards that vision, that's a good day. If more of those actions lead you further away from that vision, then it's a bad day. But those two horizons of focus are really, really, really far apart. It's actually quite difficult to be able to straddle both of them. And so a lot of the work that I do is helping those leadership teams translate that high level vision down into the day to day actions for for both them and the people that work for them. Yeah, excellent. And uh, so we've both been in this space for a while now, and it's it's a fun space to be in. Uh, we get to see all sorts of interesting uh, organizational dynamics at play. And uh, people usually don't hire us to come in when everything's working perfectly. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, maybe as, as we start to unpack this whole realigning vision um, component, do you have any examples or stories that come to mind uh, from organizations you've worked with, of course, you can anonymize it. You don't need to call out any particular organization, uh, but where it, it really was a challenge and where that's something you helped them work through. So one of the biggest symptoms of where this lack of alignment comes in is whenever the overarching culture for how you lead the organization is you just say yes and figure out how to, to how to deliver it. So customer calls up and says, hey, we need 16 widgets. And before you've even like heard what it is that they need, you're just like, yeah, we'll do it. And you'll huddle together and rally around and, uh, and get it out the door. And, and that's a viable growth strategy up until a certain point um, uh, at which stage complexity starts to creep into the business and you realize that it's more and more difficult to just say yes and figure out how to deliver it because you're missing all of uh, or, or pertinent parts of the information that you need to make those decisions. Uh, and really what that is, is a breakdown of understanding of what is that vision of the world that we're trying to create and how do we align that every day? And without that as the North Star, it's super easy just to say, well, yeah, we'll just please the customer. We'll do whatever it takes to please them. And we'll just scramble to, to make it um, to make it out the door in time. And so in order to stitch that together, you've got to slow down um, the decision-making process whenever you get a new request or a new opportunity in front of you. Not so that it's like slow and bureaucratic, but so that it's slow enough that you're able to spend the time gaining the information that you need to then be able to go implement that decision out the back end in a much more agile way. So to your point, we don't get called in when things are, are rosy, but usually for folks that give me a call, it's like, I'm starting to notice that we're dropping the ball, that our quality is, is, is slipping because we're still leading through this sort of notion of, of heroism of just saying yes and then figuring out how to deliver it. And, and we're starting to screw up as a result of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. And I've seen similar types of things. And so largely what you were describing uh, in that example was scope creep. And you, you just can't focus on anything because you're, do, you're trying to be all things to all people all the time. Right. And that just really doesn't tend to work. I mean, it, it, it's not a great way to allocate scarce resources. And if you're trying to add value in the market and really have top line quality and a really great customer experience, chances are you won't have those things if right. you're if you're trying to constantly just be you know, all things to all people so so absolutely 
um, having checking out, um, you know, really having a clear uh, vision about what you want your focus to be as an organization strategically is super important. And then articulating a vision that goes along with that is going to be equally uh, as vital. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself chasing your tail and just spinning around like a whirling dervish and, and never really accomplishing what you want. And in the world of business, reputation is everything, especially mm. if you're if you're a small firm and you're trying to grow and you're putting out crummy products mm. uh, for customers, uh, it's going to catch up to you. And so, you know, maybe that that the being enticed by that contract or being enticed by that um you know, the immediate revenues uh, can be, you know, really alluring and tempting. Uh, but we also have to take a longer, you know, view of things and, and understand what it's going to look like if and when we don't over deliver on what we've promised to do. And if we don't have the expertise to be able to do what we said we're going to do, uh, it, it's going to catch up to us. Very much so. And, and the funny thing about it is you would, you would, Assume that it's only an issue for organizations of a certain size, but I've, I've worked with billion dollar companies that have a similar approach to, um, to how they deliver for their customers. And, and, it, and it's sort of like they, they, they have this appearance of a swan where you're just at, on the surface of the water. It looks like you're delivering what you need to, but underneath everybody is uh, scrambling like crazy. The legs are going um, nuts just to, to get it. Uh, out the door at a level that's that's appropriate and 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 good enough. Um, and the the issue with that is even if the end customer doesn't notice a dip in quality, well, what you're doing is you're putting strain on your people and 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 you're getting to the point of um, folks not being able to prioritize the truly important work that they need to get done on a on a given day, and they're just rushing from ditch to ditch and crisis to crisis and uh, and acting as a firefighter rather than being able to have that medium and long-term strategic outlook and, and approach. Uh, and obviously the events of the last 18 months, two years have, have, have really pulled, made a, caused a gravitational pull on that need to spend our time firefighting and in crisis management. And, and actually, I think we need to start to build away from that and find a way to get out of it, elevate our focus a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and so some of what we're talking about in, in relation to this vision reset, I guess, has to do also with just our overall growth strategy, our growth plans. And during this past 18 months, amidst a global pandemic and economic downturn, of course, that has only increased the level of uncertainty that we face in the world. Uh, uncertainty was the name of the game before the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's certainly been kind of ramped up um, more recently. And so figuring out how, uh, what our approach is going to be and how we want to try to, to tackle things is important. Uh, simultaneously thinking about our teams and thinking about uh, keeping morale up, helping them stay engaged and feeling like you're, you, uh, you support them and you're invested in them and that you're going to uh, help them succeed. I mean, all these things uh, go hand in hand uh, as we're thinking about the vision component. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. 
If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Uh, you go into an organization, they're having these, these sorts of challenges. Um, they need to refocus, they need to, to re-articulate and, and get buy into a shared vision. Uh, how would you work with an organization to help start that realignment process? Um, it's a good question. And I think that the last 18 months have caused the process to be just slightly different in that for a number of organizations, you know, just getting through the day-to-day -day has been the name of the game. And so that's caused a bunch of things to happen. Some organizations have started entire different, entirely different product and service lines in order to be able to continue to serve their customers in a in a slightly more virtual or hybrid world. Uh, for some organizations, there have been a lot of things that had accreted over time before the pandemic that have now begun to have a light shined on them in terms of their inefficiencies. So there are a lot of processes that have emerged that, you know, this was just the way we always did it. And, and maybe we need to shift and change that for some organizations, just the, the even just the core values, what's truly important to us has shifted. And for some teams, they've done the hard work of pausing and saying, well, let's actually just evaluate what's happened. Like, is our organization the same as it was 18 months ago? Are we, do we have that same world um, that we want to create that vision that we have? Um, and so just taking a pause and, and asking those questions of, of what has changed for us over the last two years. Um, the, the big shift, I think, that's also happening just in general in our organizations is this notion um, that, the vision doesn't have to sit within any one leader. There are some leaders in our organizations for whom they are just inherently these very visionary people and, and they have an absolute singular clarity for what it is that they want to create. And, and that's great for them. And, and, and it's a good North star and it's a good process to go through so long as they don't abuse that vision, but for a great number of leaders out there, you know, they look at the likes of people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Steph, uh, Steve Jobs and go, well, I don't have that degree of visionariness. And that's perfectly fine. In fact, it's almost better in some ways. And so when I talk about a shared vision, um, I actually talk about a, a process where um, the entire leadership team co-creates what the vision is, what the world that they want to create is, so that it doesn't just sit with any one person. Because the other problem with it sitting with any one person is you're personalizing the success of the organization. You're certainly personalizing the direction that it's going in. And if something were to happen to that one individual person, the vision of the organization is likely to, to, to go with them. Um, and so just taking a team through a process of, 
um, collectively assessing who is it that we serve? What way do we serve them that makes us different from our competitors? What does their life look like as a result of using our product or service? And then ultimately the end question that I, that I, I think is an important one for, for building a vision is what is the world that we want to create? What does it look like? So, you know, five years out from now or 10 years out from now, what's the specific world and how can you describe it from your purview for your customers, for your organization, for the communities that you serve? Uh, and that can, that can take anywhere from a couple of hours to a day and a half to a couple of weeks long process, depending on, on the, the uh, starting point of alignment from the team and their ability to kind of stitch all of that together. So it's a real high level uh, yeah. process that I work through. Yeah. And, and certainly it ultimately depends on the organization, the size, the team you're dealing with, um, the level of reset that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, you, if you're going for a relatively small tweak versus really a complete sh uh, refocus and a reshift, um, ob obviously that's going to uh, change the way you go about doing it. And just recognizing the, the need, as you said, this, this should be a shared um, process. This should be a collaborative process. If you hope to have uh, more buy-in mm. to, to this reset of vision, then of course people need to be involved in the process. Right. Otherwise they're just going to feel like you're, you're asserting this, this thing onto them. And people are understandably skeptical of those types of approaches. And that's often why, you know, things like mission statements and vision statements have very little impact in a lot of organizations because well, far, far too much money is spent to consulting companies to develop mission and vision statements that are completely unconnected to the leaders that are responsible for delivering it, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, to your point, it, it'll just, it'll die if there's not that buy-in right from the start. And as I'm sure, you know, the hard work of driving a vision through the organization isn't actually in coming up with the statement, although that's, that's part of it. It's what happens afterwards. It's the, it's the 18 to 24 to 36 months after you've you've um, got clarity around it, where communication and reinforcement comes into play, uh, and if you want to avoid your nice little vision or mission statement getting filed away and um, binder heaven, the the best thing that you can do is just communicate it until you feel physically sick of the thought of communicating <laughs> it again. Um, yep. And again, you can't. It's a really tough starting point to do that if you don't have leaders that have been able to look each other in the eyes and go, okay, I agree that that's what, that's what we're trying to build together. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so how do I go about encouraging my people to elevate their focus away from just the mundane day-to-day? -day? Everyone has that stuff, that, the urgent things that they're just trying to accomplish in their work day-to-day. But we, and we need them to do that. We need them to be productive. We needed them to get things done. But how do we help them to elevate that focus to being more of a long-term horizon strategic focus that connects with that shared vision? Well, first of all, we've got to help them see the, the risks of getting stuck in the day-to-day, -day, which are, are, there are a couple of risks in there. Number one, typically we get stuck in the weeds of the day-to-day -day because 
we are leading through our own acts of, of heroism. So we live in this world where there's a whole bunch of really, truly urgent things. We've given anybody permission to interrupt us at any time and assign whatever priority or level of urgency they want to it, which means that everybody's telling us that this is urgent. And so for a lot of uh, leaders, the, this belief that, hey, if I can just deal with this and, and just get it off the, our plate for our team, we'll be able to concentrate on the important work. Um, so they jump in and save the day or tell a team, you know, what to do to solve a problem. Um, and they're ultimately leading through these small acts of heroism, which may in the short term feel like you're moving the ball up the field, but actually in the long term, what you're doing is you're, you're stripping empowerment, uh, you're building learned helplessness in your team. So eventually at some point, the team just stops thinking for themselves and they go, well, the boss is just going to tell me what to do or, or, or do it for me anyway, um, which then leads to their disempowerment and your frustration because you're the bottleneck. And, um, it, you know, I have a great many number of leaders have come to me and said, Dave, I used to have this really competent, really empowered, um, you know, really uh, accountable team. And, and now they just drop all of these problems at my door. What's the what's what's going on here? To which my response is almost always, well, you've got to look in the mirror because you're at least, if not more than 50 percent of that equation. You look at the rewards of that. We, we move into that behavior because uh, of our ego. We feel useful, valuable, needed. Uh, and also because we've been told all of our life that that's how a leader should show up. They've got to be in the trenches with their people. They've got to be jumping in to, to save the day. Um, but those are all short-term rewards. And, and we've got those longer-term risks of, of not being able to focus uh, on the stuff where we truly should be uh, focusing on because it's where we add value as a leader, which is the medium and long-term direction of our team and the development of our people. Um, so just showing somebody that and saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting the best that I can out of you as a leader and you're not getting the best out of your team because you're too in the day-to-day -day and in the weeds. Do you want to try to make that transition? That's the, the starting point of any behavior change, right? As you were describing that, I was thinking of some of the experiences that I've had um, with bosses like that earlier mm. in my career. And it really, it's frustrating. It's demoralizing to the people on your team because you just feel no matter what you do, um, it, there's no point. Like it, right. it all bottlenecks through the boss, uh, through the manager, the supervisor, whoever it is. And, and ultimately, you know, you, what, what ends up happening is people just start doing the bare minimum right. to then get it off their plate, pass it along and wash their hands of it. And right. then, and then if something, and, and you don't feel a lot of, uh, great passion around the work you're doing, you don't feel a lot of ownership over it because you know that ultimately the boss is going to take it and they're going to do their own thing with it. And it's probably mm -hmm. not even going to end up looking like what you did. Um, not necessarily because they improved it, but they just <laughs> changed it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and changing for change sake or because of preference or whatever. And, and that really is demoralizing. It's frustrating and it, it's frustrating for bosses too. But to your point, it, they, they, they are at fault there, uh, at least to a large extent, um, they've created that dynamic and that culture uh, that where there's that pervasive kind of behavioral uh, issue at For play. Sure. And so they, they need to be able to uh, address that. Yeah. Uh, so as we move forward, we, we want to get ourselves out of the weeds. We want to get our people out of the weeds. As a leader, I do believe that there are times for leaders to get in the trenches and work alongside their people and be willing to, uh, to help um, when necessary. But if that's our default approach, where we're just constantly um, putting our hands in, in the work of our people, 
they're not going to appreciate it. Uh, we, we can touch base, we can give ideas, uh, we can, but, but more importantly, most of the time we need to seek understanding of where they're coming from, what their approach is, why they're doing it that way, ask thoughtful questions and get them, uh, get your people, get people on your team to, to share more about what they're doing. And maybe they'll ask for help, but a lot of times they just need to talk through something. They just need to think through it and you can help facilitate that process while not uh, micromanaging or taking over the, the project from them so that they don't feel ownership anymore. Yeah. And, and you're right. There are times whenever we do need to do it. I mean, crisis management is a perfect example of it. Um, but the problem is we don't, well, two things. One, we create too many false crises in our organizations. Um, and so we're like, well, I got to be involved because it's a crisis. It's probably not a crisis. You're probably just making it a crisis. Um, um, but the, the second thing is it's about doing it, but doing it intentionally. So actually actively, you know, looking your, your team in the eyes and saying, hey, this looks like it's an opportunity where it may be helpful if I were to get into the weeds with you and really help us out. Would that be helpful in this moment? And having them go, yeah, that'd be super helpful. Awesome. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to spend the next two days, the next two weeks, or the next two months, or heck, even the next two years, if that's how long it really is going to take. Uh, and, that, and this is going to be my focus. But here's the point at which, you know, this is what we're trying to build towards. And here's the point at which I can then, you know, remove my in the weeds focus and elevate a little bit more that's that's ultimately that's got to be your goal of where you're going towards um too many mediocre leaders are just driven by their natural habits and behaviors and their ego and they're not intentional not enough about using a whole raft of leadership skills and approaches intentionally and just communicating with their team this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it this is why it's going to be helpful in this moment is it okay if we do that okay this is what we're going to work, work towards and just overly communicating their ebb and flow uh, rather than just reacting you know we've got to learn how to thoughtfully respond to what comes in to us on a day-to-day -day basis rather than just react to it yep absolutely well dave it has just been a real pleasure i know at the time uh, the time has flown by. I need to let you get back to your busy day here in a moment. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Sure. Uh, so best place to find out about me is go to davemckeown.com. You'll learn all about my consulting, training, uh, and speaking business. Uh, there's also a link to the book that came out last year, The Self-Evolved Leader, which dives into these topics and more. Uh, and my final thought for the day for 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 leaders at the minute is to control what you can control and not worry about the rest. There's a ton of stuff happening in the world that is much bigger than any of us that we don't even have influence over. Uh, and the more time we spend uh, focused on those areas, the less effective we are as a leader. So either figure out a way to expand your influence into those areas if you really want to make a difference or just stay focused on those things that you can truly control and, and ensure that you're focused on um, and putting your best foot forward in those situations. Yeah, well said. Dave, it has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Dave and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? 
What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.